0: Fantastic. Uh, We're going to be opening our Bibles uh, to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, We're continuing the series on Elijah. It's not quite the end yet. Uh, We've still got two more in the series to go after this one. But we are going to be taking a break from it next week. Maybe that's what Craig was thinking about. Because next week we're going to be thinking, uh, I'm just doing a one off sermon uh, about, um, I'm calling it In It Together, where the idea is it's a sermon all about serving in the church and giving in the church. Um, so I've given you forewarning of that and I'm expecting you to be here next week then otherwise uh, many of you might be oh, I might give that one a skip not allowed uh, so we'll take a break in the sermon series next week to think about serving and giving in the church and then there's a couple more sermons still and then we're going to get to that exciting series that uh, Nick was referring to earlier about the prodigal son about a time through Lent we're going to be thinking about the lost coming back to Christ coming back to church Okay, Um, in the series in Elijah, if you remember last week, Elijah was on the top of Mount Carmel. He had that great big showdown with 450 prophets of Baal, and uh, the Lord answered his prayer miraculously with fire from heaven consuming the altar that Elijah prepared, whilst the prophets of Baal looked really silly. Nothing happened, and by the end of it, all the prophets were destroyed. A great victory, but after that great victory, that amazing high that Elijah had, this week we're going to see um, him coming great, down from a mountaintop to a great low point in his life, a great low point. Um, so we're going to be thinking about that part of the story today. I'm going to invite Hannah uh, to come and give our reading from 1 Corinthians 19. Do you want to come up, Hannah? Actually, Hannah, it reminds me of baptism because you were baptised. When were you baptised here at the church? Come
1: 2018
0: 2018 and that was uh, by full immersion wasn't it yeah
1: good
0: well it's been brilliant to have you at church so
1: now ahab told jezebel everything elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword so jezebel sent a messenger to elijah to say may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors'. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Shall we bow our heads in prayer as we look at this passage this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, that through your gospel people come to know you from every walk of life. We thank you again for the baptism this morning, a reminder that we can all become a part of your your heavenly family, Lord. So as we come to your word, open our hearts and minds to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Elijah was doing so well, wasn't he? Really well. And then we come to this moment where he encounters Jezebel, and Jezebel threatens his life, and he's filled with fear, and he runs away. He runs away. Next year in 2024, summer 2024, is the next Olympic Games, I believe, in Paris. Looking forward to that. One of my favourite events uh, in the Olympic Games is the 110-metre hurdles. Anyone like that that event? Uh, Where you see these men and women Running along, and there's a a number of hurdles that they jump. And the thing that always I like about that event is you never quite know until they cross the line whether the person winning is actually going to win because they could always stumble at the last hurdle. It's always sad when you see that happen, isn't it? And it has made me think actually a little bit about Elijah's life. He's doing amazingly well in this race of life, isn't he? He's serving the Lord going fabulously well. He's just defeated all the uh, the prophets of Baal. And just as he's arriving at the finish line, when he's going to confront Jezebel, who's the sort of leader of the baddies, if you like, he's going to have one last showdown with her. And it's almost like he stumbles at the last hurdle, right before the finish line. We're expecting the story to go, and Elijah encounters Jezebel, The Lord does something amazing, and it's a happy ending. But we don't see that. We see Elijah almost stumbling over that last hurdle. And rather than um, bravely encountering Jezebel, the story says, verse 3, that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised because Jezebel, she's probably quite a scary lady. She's the sort of queen of Israel and she's the leader of the Baal religion. And she threatens Elijah in verse 2 by saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I don't know if you've ever had a death threat before. I hope not. But what would you do if you had? Would you be afraid and run for your life like Elijah? Or would you perhaps, g up by the experience you had on Mount Carmel, sort of defiantly stand, I don't know. But the, the thing about this passage, though, is that it's a reminder to us all that we can stumble in life. That we might be thinking life's going really well, we're running along, jumping and leaping over hurdles, And then out of the blue, we trip up and fall. Anyone had that kind of experience in life? And maybe you just thought, oh my goodness, it's even towards the moment I thought it was going to be the best moment of my life. You trip and fall. Maybe you were afraid of something. Maybe some bad news came. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe something wasn't going as well as you thought it was and it turns out to be a disaster. I don't know. Maybe you were going along and you were having a really happy life and you were really joyful. But then the next moment, out of the blue, for no particular reason, you feel as low as anything. Depressed. Sad. Anxious. And you might not have even known why that might happen. We're going to see a little bit later that Elijah begins to feel very very low, tripping at the last hurdle. And then we might think to ourselves sometimes, what does God think of that? I was doing really well. I was standing up for my faith in my life and I was involved in things at church or whatever and doing things for God in my life and then suddenly I let him down. Or I fail God in some way. Or I feel like I have. What does God make of that? Is he like, ah, you were doing so well, Tom. You were going to finish the race, but you didn't. Never mind, another one bites the look for someone else. (laughs) Uh, Or does he tut a lot? Does God tut at us? (laughs) Shouldn't feel like that, Tom. You Shouldn't be low like that today. Shouldn't have made that mistake or that failure. We're expecting a lot more of you, Tom. We're expecting a lot more of you, but in the end, you turn out to be just like all the others. Did you see Elijah said that? He says, uh, when he's really low, he says, take my life, Lord. Verse 4, I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no different from anyone else. I've failed. Well, there's both a warning and an encouragement for us this morning. The warning is, of course, that we're all susceptible to faults and failures and to stumbling. We're going to look at some of those reasons why Elijah did. But there's also great encouragement here as well, which we're going to see. Not least, what encouraged me about this story is that Elijah is like one of the best heroes of the Bible. So if he can stumble, then... It's expected that I might stumble too. Does that make sense? If one of the best people in the Bible stumbles, then surely it's okay if we do as well, and we're going to see that. Okay. So what happens to Elijah? He is receives this death threat, and he is afraid. Verse three, and he runs for his life. Now he runs away uh, to a place called Beersheba in Judah, into the wilderness. Now, that's about 120 miles away from Jezebel. It's basically, Jezebel lives in the north of Israel. Um, Elijah runs to the southernmost tip of Israel. So he basically gets as far away as he possibly could from this threat. 120 miles. Has anyone run 120 miles recently? No wonder he was exhausted by the end of it. I don't know how quickly he did it. Maybe he did it in an afternoon. He was that scared. But he sought out the place that he thought he would be safest because he flees to the south of Judah. And Judah is a faithful nation at that time. There's a good king there. So he's looking for a safe place to run to. How many of us do that in our lives when you're feeling under threat or you're feeling embarrassed about something or you've, let, or you've failed in life? What's your safe place that you run to? Mine is normally under the duvet. <laughs> in my bedroom with the curtains closed and I don't answer the doorbell when I turn my phone off. That's my safe place. It's not 120 miles away. It's just over there. (laughs) But metaphorically, it's 120 miles away in my safe place. Where's yours? Perhaps sometimes you think, I'm just going to get on a plane and fly to the Mediterranean or something. Maybe your safe place is not even a place. It's a state of mind, escapism in some way. Maybe it's to self-medicate. Maybe it's to seek comfort in the arms of someone perhaps not helpful for you. We all have those places we run to. These places we think we're safe. And I'm not making a judgment about that. We do that, don't we? But what we're going to see here is in Elijah running away and finding this safe place for him, he finds himself in a very, very low place place, a very depressed place. And again, I just want to say at the beginning of this, uh, thinking through this story, that sometimes Christians can feel like they shouldn't ever get depressed in their lives or have low times. And then when they do come, we feel like we've let God down. We're going to see in this story that, do you know what, it's okay to be in a low place. Even Christians get depressed For very good reasons. Or even some inexplicable reasons. We do. And we're going to see that the Lord does not judge him. He doesn't judge Elijah. So I just want to say that straight away. Nothing strange might be happening to you if you are feeling low this morning. It's part of our natural condition as fallen human beings from time to time. So we're going to see though... How Elijah gets into uh, this position first of all he runs away and he finds he lies down by this bush in the wilderness he's all on his own and he just he's in that place where he just he says take my life Lord I wish I was dead now I don't know if Elijah was serious about that or whether he just felt it in the moment oh Lord I've had enough it's too much I can't cope anymore with life. I can't see myself getting through another day. It's over. I'm finished. I wish I was dead. I don't know if he would have thought like that a few days later after the end of the story. Probably not. But maybe all of us can resonate slightly with that kind of feeling. He's tired. He's tired. So here's, let's just think of a few reasons why he might be down for a moment. First of all, because of fatigue. He has just been through one of the most exhausting, climactic moments of his life when he confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Can you imagine the amount of emotional energy he expended in that few days of his life? Exhausting. He was then so pumped up that he ran 20 miles to then go and confront Jezebel. And by the end of that point, he was tired. I just want to remind us this morning that sometimes, as people, we can hit low times in our lives because we're tired. I don't think we were made to just keep going in the busyness of life without finding times when we can rest. Just a warning for us. And if you're going at 100 miles an hour and you're doing all sorts of things for the Lord and your family and work and all these things, just be careful. Because times of temptation, times of fatigue can lead to us stumbling. He also feels lonely. Now that's interesting because in verse 10, we didn't have it read, Elijah says these words to the Lord, verse 10, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You see, what's interesting about this is Elijah has actually gone out of his way to make sure he is alone. Did you see that? He's gone to his safe place all on his own. And now he says, I'm on my own. <laughs> have you ever been in that situation where you say, I'm so alone in life, and then you forget to realize that you put the duvet over your head and closed the door and shut everyone out. When we hit low places, we deliberately push people away, don't we? And we can feel in that place of like, I'm on my own. No one understands what I'm going through. No one really cares. There's no one I can talk to, no one who's there for me. And partly that's because I've pushed everyone away. Because Elijah isn't the only one, actually. The Lord reminds him there's 7,000 other faithful believers in Israel. You just never sought them out, Elijah. You never went to them. I'm sure there's a lesson in there somewhere. I know at that time when we're feeling low, we don't want company, do we? But maybe that's a reminder to us Christian brothers and sisters as a church family, when we see people low... Maybe we try and reach out to them because they may not reach out to you. Fellowship, company, godly friendship. And we're going to see that's just what Elijah needs in a moment or two. He became afraid. Now that's interesting because Elijah has just confronted 450 people who could have taken his life And he wasn't afraid. And suddenly he meets Jezebel and he was afraid. What happened? Well, the verse tells us in verse 3 that Elijah was afraid when he confronted Jezebel and ran for his life. The actual word there is that Elijah saw. He saw Jezebel. He saw the threat. He looked at it and was suddenly afraid. Many commentators of the Bible make this point at this point. They say that sometimes when we're looking at life's threats directly rather than looking at the Lord, looking up at Him, we start to feel afraid. Have you ever felt that? The more you think about the problem or see the threat and take your eyes off the goodness of God, that's when we can become, begin to be afraid. Happens all the time in the Bible. Do you remember the time when Peter was walking on water do you remember Jesus called him out of the boat to start walking on water and Jesus uh, Peter climbs out of the boat and he starts walking on water and then it says that the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the water he began to sink I remember when um I was, uh, went on holiday with my children and uh, we were at one of these adventure activity places and there was a, a high ropes course. Does anyone know what a high ropes course is? It's like where you climb up into the, into the trees and there's ladders and ropes and swings that take you from tree to tree, really high up. And you're, harn- you're harnessed in, you know you're safe, but the advice is, and, and I was up there with my children, I pretended I wasn't afraid, but I was. Um, LAUGHTER because I wanted to look strong and brave for my children. They want to be embarrassed. Um, but my children were afraid. And I kept getting the advice, don't look down. Look at me the other side of the, of the rope ladder. Look at me. Come on, come this way. Don't look down. And of course, as soon as they looked down, uh, they froze and couldn't move. And we were up there for about six days, <laughs> wondering how on earth we're going to get out of this mess. No, it says, keep looking at me, keep looking at me, and you can come. Christian brother and sister, the moment we take our gaze off Jesus, our reassurances, our feeling of love and safety and everything's going to be all right starts to evaporate, and the problems of life become big. That's what happened to Elijah. He looked at Jezebel and was afraid. he saw only his failures and not his successes. Did you notice that when he says, take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. He begins to go, I've failed, I've mucked up, I've done nothing good, there's no point to my life, Lord. I'm a waster, I'm a waste of space. And you're like, hold on Elijah, a couple of days ago you just defeated and set free the whole nation of Israel from false worship. Did you forget all about that? How many of us do that in our lives? We focus on the failures rather than the things the good things God has done in our lives. So easy to do. So easy to do. Now Elijah, interestingly, from this moment on in his life, he never sees the final defeat of Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. It's not until after his life has ended and he's been taken back to heaven that God finally defeats Jezebel and the enemies of God. We need to remember that in our lives, even if you've done lots of great things for God and even if you stumble at the last bit and the end of your life is basically just flat on the floor making mistakes, the bigger picture is that God might just take on the battle, Take the work you've done. And achieve great things from the things you have started but never got to see finished. As humans, we want to see our lives end on a great victory. And everything we've done is ni- nicely wrapped in a bow. <laughs> done. Complete. Success. Legacy. Might not be that way. Might be the end of your life. It said, Tom did really well, then mucked up, and that's the end. <laughs> you see that with Peter. Do you remember Peter? Peter. Denies Jesus three times, completely stumbles at the end hurdle. Do you remember Moses? He does an amazing victories for God, leads the people out of the Red Sea, leads them through the wilderness, and he's just about to get to the promised land, and he stumbles at the last hurdle and doesn't make it in. Literally trips over the line just before it. How sad and tragic, but it's not. God had a bigger plan. God used what these people did for great good. Then finally, Elijah felt sorry for himself, verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord, he says. I've done so many things, and now I'm the only one left. You get a sense that Elijah is starting to fall into self-pity now. Easy to do, isn't it, when we fall into those low places. Well, what does the Lord do about it? Does the Lord do the tutting? Oh, Elijah, you were doing so well. What a pity. And how embarrassing for you. Because <laughs> you can imagine a lot of people feeling embarrassed for Elijah. A great man. But now look at him. The Lord does nothing of that. What does he do? He visits Elijah. He comes to him in his safe place. He visits him. Look at verse 5. Elijah lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord, just to pause there, The angel of the Lord, many, many Christian commentators comment on that being an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Angel just meaning messenger, the one sent by the Lord, not meaning a created angel, but Christ himself. Many people think that. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. In all of Elijah's life, so far, It has never said that an angel came to him or the Lord came to visit him. He's had ravens feed him. He's seen miracles of oil and flour reproducing. He's seen fire come down from heaven. But thus far, it's never said that the Lord or an angel came and ministered to him, except when he's hit the lowest points of his life. Isn't that interesting? The psalmist says... The Lord is close to the downcast. When God sees that you're in a low place, he does not touch or roll his eyes. It's in those times he wants to come and minister to you. He doesn't even lecture Elijah. He makes him a meal and he watches over him while he sleeps. And when Elijah wakes up all tired, he's there, ready to help him, strengthen him. That's really good friendship, isn't it? That's really good pastoral care. We all know that when someone's low, the last thing you should do is say, pull your your socks up. Or give advice that says, do this and you should be better. Sometimes just being with someone that's alone. Make them a meal. Go for a walk with them. The Lord does that for Elijah. How wonderful. How wonderful. He doesn't lecture him or tell him off. His love for Elijah is unchanging. It was the same as when he was being a hero on Mount Carmel. The Lord's love for him was great then and the Lord's love for him is great now. He grants him hospitality and rest. And then, what I love about this story, look at the end, he says, verse 8, So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He travelled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So what the Lord does is he doesn't say to Elijah, right, you've had one day's rest, let's get back into the fight. He doesn't say you've had, two, you've had a weekend off, get back into it. He gives him 40 days and 40 nights. To go on a nice stroll through the wilderness to arrive at the mountain of God, where he would have even another encounter with the Lord. How good is that? Have you recently taken time, friends, to be with the Lord? I'm not talking about 40 days and 40 nights on a beach, that would be nice, actually. I'm talking about 40 days, 40 nights, or whatever it means to be with the Lord. To slow things down a bit. To take those moments. To go for a walk in the woods with your Saviour. Great things happen when you go for a walk with the Lord. Think about the road to Damascus for Paul the Apostle. Think about the road to Emmaus for the disciples of Jesus. Think about the times that the Apostles would have walked all around Israel with Jesus, take that quality time to be with him. And at those times, you will have great encounter. When we stumble, the Lord dusts us down and he does set us back on our feet. He does minister to us, he does pastor to us. He is gentle with us and he is patient. He never says, Never mind, you didn't cross the line, that's it. You might hit that last hurdle as you're leaping over it, trip and fall. Everyone laughs and jeers and you look an idiot. But then Jesus will come and he will pick you up and he will carry you across the last line. Even if you've run out of all energy and steam, he will just pick you up and carry you across the line. You will finish the race if you walk with Jesus. Elijah perhaps learned the most important lesson of his life and from then on in he becomes a great disciple he raises up many more for the Lord when he thought he was alone the rest of his life is going to be used for raising up new people for Christ and we're going to see that in the next two weeks or so but for now let's pray Heavenly Father, I particularly lift up prayers this morning for those who are feeling low. Those who feel like they've tripped, not just once, but multiple times on the race of life. And maybe are struggling to get up again. Or maybe struggling with fears that you no longer love them, no longer there for them, disappointed, failed, rejected, rejected, All those terrible, dark thoughts that come in. Maybe we're feeling sorry for ourselves. Maybe we're feeling alone. Maybe we are hiding under the duvet. But Lord Jesus, have mercy. Come and visit us. Come and visit all those in that place. May you sustain those people by the word and the bread of life. And the river of life, the water that comes from heaven. May these people know your tender care in these times of darkness. And then, Lord, may you lead us, whatever that next phase is, whatever it means to walk with you for a while until we're restored. May we take that time to be with Christ and to remember his goodness. We ask in Jesus' name.